Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. The Lord every week seems to be giving me a fresh message that I believe is a now word for the time that we are in. And uh, next Sunday morning, I'm speaking on the God who prepares. I believe that God goes before us. I believe that most times we have no idea really what He's getting us ready for. And it's such an adventure to follow Jesus. Uh, I think next Sunday night, I'm speaking on joy cometh. And there's just some of these things. I was out walking in the, the bush. We call it here in Australia, the forest, the woods. I don't know what else you'd call it, whatever part of the world you're in, the jungle maybe. Uh, but I was out walking with the dog who's, uh, that's got to be the most sanctified animal around because you get so much prayer put over her. But, uh, and thinking about meaning and about the things that most people allow to give meaning to their life, that'll be coming up somewhere soon as well because the Bible is not a book for just getting you ready for heaven. I believe that the Bible is a book that is God's handbook for how to live life because eternal life does not begin when you die. Eternal life begins when you accept Christ as your Saviour. So I'm already walking in eternal life. If you have received Jesus, you're already walking in that. And so heaven becomes a continuation of something that began on earth, just like it did for Enoch. The Bible says about him in in Hebrews chapter 11, that Enoch uh, believed God, walked with God, and one day he just wasn't. He just walked from this planet into another reality that before then he had never seen. And so I know and understand some something a little bit of what God wants to get us ready for. I believe the greatest thing you will ever do on the earth is to start a walk with Jesus. But I believe the second greatest thing you'll ever do is to continue a walk with Jesus. I would pray that you never, ever allow it to become religion in your life. Never let it become about rules or about formula of some kind or other. Always understand that everything in Christianity, everything in a spiritual life, everything is about a relationship with a person who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and he wants to walk with you. I know nothing greater than that. Uh, I was thinking today about uh, how most people get their sense of me. Well, I'll give you one of the things. We get it from the facts. We get it from what our, our experience has been. And yet God turns up and says, let me give you something that you never earned, you never deserved, and that is totally not to do with your character. It's called righteousness. Anyway, I'll say that for another time. Are you ready for this? Because I want to speak to you in this service about something that seems in short supply at the moment for many people right around the world. There's an absolute abundance of anxiety. Certainly there's enough stress to go around. We've got conflict. I don't think I've ever known a time in my life when our world has become as polarised as it is. It seems like no matter whether it's about uh, pick anything in our society, how you vote, what you believe about science or education or about viruses or pandemics. There are these huge dividing lines that have been drawn 
that are pitching people against one another like never before. And again and again, as I talk to people, not people necessarily or often in the church, but just people generally, I hear this heart's cry for, I just want some peace. I just want all this to be done with. And so I want to begin by reading you a verse that Jesus spoke. And you've got to understand that when He said this, His world naturally was just like this one. There were people that were oppressed. There were people that literally were slaves that had no freedom to go and do as they wanted. There were people whose economic life had been turned on its head by the occupying power. There was such a lack of spiritual life. The whole of what uh, people called godliness had been just totally screwed down into rules and regulation. And there were many things that were afflicting the people of the day. And that's why these words of Jesus to His uh, nascent group of disciples, these beginners, these people that are starting, must have, you've got to understand, we read it now in the Bible, go, oh yeah, that's the Bible. But when Jesus said this to these people, that never having heard it before, it was a jarring statement that clashed with everything they were experiencing in their world at that moment. Listen to these words of Jesus in John 14, verse 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. My peace I leave with you. I want to jump right in tonight and talk to you about the peace that Jesus gives, why it's so different to maybe your expectations and how you and I can start to walk in it. I'm going to say some things towards the end of this message that I know are so different to the way that we think peace works. And perhaps it'll help you understand why what you've been hoping for hasn't happened and how you can start walking in it regardless of what's going on in your world or your life. My aim tonight is that you and I will start to plug in to something of the Holy Spirit, something of the Kingdom of God, so that those of you that would say, no, you, Jeff, you don't understand it's obvious why I don't have peace in my life. Look what's going on. Jeff, But you know, this week I just lost my job. Jeff, this week my loved one, I spoke to someone today whose loved one on the opposite side of planet Earth has just been taken to hospital and here they are, not being able to go, not being able to support, you know, time zone difference and everything else. So I want to help you. Because I believe that this can be real for you. I, I, don't, I don't believe in pie in the sky when you die. I believe in steak on the plate while you wait. And I want to help you get this. So please lean in. Write notes while I'm speaking. I find so often it kind of goes in. And that's why from this week on, we're actually going to provide 
another option on our YouTube channel and that is message only. For those of you who go, Jeff, I love the worship, but what I really need to hear again is that. And so to save you all the fast forwarding, you'll be able to go straight to that, all right? So let's get right into this. I'll read you that verse again, then we'll start into it. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See the world, and that's the one we've all grown up in, portrays peace as the absence of something. Well, you know, if I could just get rid of the conflict, if I could just make that pressure go away, if my difficulties could be solved. I wonder how many people go and buy that lotto ticket or, or you know, hope to get a windfall from somewhere because really at the bottom of it is not just more money. It's that I really want to be able to say goodbye to my money worries. I want to get rid of that pressure, that job that I don't really love. I'd like to kiss that goodbye. I want to help those people that uh, I care about that right now are going through difficulty. I think for a lot of people, they see peace as something that requires these things to be taken away. And yet the Word of God does not describe peace as the absence of something. Rather, it declares that peace is the presence of something. I'll say that again. The Bible says that peace is not the result of the absence of a thing, but it's the result of the presence of something. I've walked through a reasonable number of difficulties in my life, personally and in my health or in my family. And I can testify again and again to how many times, though the problems still remain present for some time, and yet the peace abided. The thing didn't disappear, at least not immediately, but there came the presence of something. We even have the phrase, I just want some peace and quiet. What that means is I'm equating peace with the absence of noise or clamour. If only all this uproar could be taken away. There's a program on television, at least I think there's still one. Was it called Getaway? Huh? How many people have a getaway? Do you know why you have a getaway? Because there's something you want to get away from. And if you get away while you're away, you can have peace. But how many people have discovered that after your getaway, there is a comeback home? Amen. I've always thought that holidays last somewhere between two and three weeks and that that beautiful, peaceful, calm space, when you come home, guess what? It's all waiting for you. It's still there. And so for so many people, peace becomes this thing of, I've got to get rid of it. The problem is that there's no end to problems. Isn't that right? The problem is there's no end of difficulties. Hello? It seems to me like, you know, why do I have such trouble? Well, I'll tell you why, it's because you're breathing. Isn't that right? Anybody here ever had the perfect job? That usually lasted until lunchtime. I'm amazed how many people I've spoken to who get their dream job. You talk to them six months later. 
And all they want to tell you about is how the dream jobs turned into the nightmare. Huh? Isn't that right? I want you to think about it. I've spoken to people that started a business because they so loved that particular skill. They started a business. And then later on, it's almost like all the joy disappeared out of it. And now it becomes a drudgery. The thing that other people think that what you do is so wonderful. They go, I wish I could do what you do. Isn't that right? And then, but there you're going away going, yeah, well, if they really had it. I'll never forget someone saying to me once, you know, when I was just a young man on staff at a great church back in Queensland. I'll never forget someone said to me, you know, there's young men would give their right arm to be where you are. And I kind of half felt like saying, yeah, well, I've already given one arm and I think there's another one going soon. You know, and if you had to live it, it wouldn't be as good. We admire all the celebrities and then we get surprised when we discover that celebrity life apparently is not as good as everyone thought it was. Huh? Huh? Hello, read your newspaper. All these people we all thought were amazing. Turns out they're human. Let's not get too knotted up. What I'm trying to say is this. If peace is the absence of something alone, if that's all it is, then I'm really not going to get a lot of peace. It'll just be a momentary, some kind of staccato interruption that occasionally appears. And yet Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. In other words, I'm in the worst place at the worst possible time, wondering how I got here, but God, you're there. And that's going to make all the difference. Let's read on in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. I want to show you something else about peace. Mark 4, verse 35 says this, On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let's cross over to the other side. Now when they'd left the multitude, they took Him along in the boat as He was. And other little boats were also with Him. And a great windstorm arose. Here comes trouble again. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Get this, but he is in the stern, the back of the boat, asleep on a pillow. Listen to me, who takes a pillow? Ask yourself the question. When Jesus goes on a trip, one of the things he packs is a pillow. Come on, are you all here with me? He packs a pillow. Why would you pack a pillow? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said, wherever I go, I'm going to rest. Huh? Most of us, we pack all the medicines. We pack all the everything under the sun. We, we've, we've got a pharmacy in our suitcase. We're hoping, you know, that they don't check it too closely or stop us or wonder what we got. We got all this stuff going on. Jesus packs a pillow when He goes on a journey. Are you with me? So he's there asleep on a pillow. They awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? They misunderstood his peace for a lack of care. Oh, to be the kind of person that everyone goes, you know what, they're obviously brain dead. Obviously, they've had a frontal lobotomy. They don't get it because they ought to be as worried as we are. You know, your peace is a sign to people that are in turmoil. Your peace speaks louder than any sermon you can preach. 
the way you do life in the middle of a storm says something to people that are round about. Then he arose, rebuked the wind, said to the sea. Now watch this, I'm coming to it in a minute. He said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why is it that you are so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Like a da. Again, you've got to imagine you're there and all of a sudden Jesus slips into sermon mode. That's what they think. He starts talking about faith and they go like, forget the faith, grab a bucket and bail. We're about to sink. We're not ready for a sermon. We don't need a devotional. What we need right now is someone to bail the boat. They feared exceedingly. It's almost like it's such a habit. They fear the storm, now they fear Him. And they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Him? I want to come back to that one verse there, verse 39. Then He arose and rebuked the wind and He said to the sea, peace be still. God looks at peace and says, be, not don't be. His peace is not about stopping something. It's about starting something. It's not about what can I dial down. It's what do I need to dial up in my life? What's your conversation like right now in the middle of your storm? Is it all about what you want to stop? Or is the words coming out of your mouth about the things you need to start. Are you with me? I'll give you an example of this. Anybody ever gone into a dark room? No lights are on. You're wondering where the switches are or is there something in front you might stumble on? If you're a Christian, you don't start going, I rebuke the darkness. In the name of Jesus, I bind every prince of darkness. You don't do that, do you? You just go in the room, well, if you do what most of us do, you do this. Huh? That's what I do. I get in there. Sometimes I walk into this building, there's no lights on. And quite frankly, I'm not as sure what light turns what on, what switch does. And I just grab this and I'm going around there doing that. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered the moment I turn the light on, the darkness flees. I know. Isn't it amazing? Don't you kind of go. And yet so many people are trying to turn worry off when what we need to do is to turn peace on. Listen, come on, are you here? Stop rebuking all the stuff under the sun and think about I'm going to turn the light on. Well, the Bible says peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of something. It's the presence of God's peace. Secondly, the world's view is that the peace is the result of external actions. They. How many people right now have got turmoil going, they, they, they? You know, the government, the health authorities, the whoever, the whatever, the boss, the corporations, the banks, the whatever. And I'm not suggesting that people are not involved in your circumstance. I'm just saying... As long as you make it about a they, you give all the power to change to someone other than you. If you kids would just shut up for a minute and give me some peace and quiet, 
And so peace depends on the kids. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 27? He said, let not your heart be troubled. That implies that it's got very little to do with what's out there. It's got everything to do with the choice that I make inside. It's not a they. According to Jesus, it's not they, it's an I. Your emotions might want to take you there, but your heart says no. So peace is not the absence of something, it's the presence of something. Secondly, peace is not the result of external actions. It's not somebody else who's got the power over your peace. It's you that hold the ability to be able to turn this thing on. Are you with me? Here's the third one, the last one. In the worldview that we've all grown up with, peace takes work to get and none to keep. We work hard so that we earn enough money so that we can get rid of financial pressure. We save up to go on the holiday so we can have a few weeks peace. But when you turn up to that resort or to that place you're having the holiday in that holiday home, you use, we all say it, we veg out. In other words, it took work to get there, but no work to keep it. That's why we lose it so easily when we come home. Because now we've got to start working all over again. And yet Jesus says, John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. If it's a gift, if it's a gift, you didn't do anything to get it or else it's not a gift. The book of Romans says that if you've got a labour for it, then it's no longer a gift. So God gives me a gift that I receive, but I need to be involved in labouring to keep it. The Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9 verse 6, He shall be called the Prince of Peace. The word Prince there means someone who has the rule over it. In other words, He's got power over peace so He can literally give it to you. I'll be praying at the end of this service for people that need the gift of peace to come into their life. But let me say to you, though you get a gift, there are some things you need to do to keep it. You do nothing to deserve it, to earn it. It comes as a gift, but you have to labour to keep it. You go, Jeff, does that mean I've got to do all the hard work? Aren't you just playing with words here? No, let me tell you what it means. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Let me read this to you in the uh, message version of the Scripture. If I read that to you, uh, or you living. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what's true. Again, not a they, it's an I. And I think about that and I realise, pardon me for being this transparent, this honest, but I wonder how many times I keep sabotaging my own peace. I wonder how many times it's what I'm meditating on. I'm not thinking on things that are true and just and lovely, good report, praiseworthy, any virtue, 
you know, I'm not thinking on that stuff. I'm filling my mind full of all what the neighbour down the road said. Uh, you ask my wife, I can get pretty worked up about somebody else and what they did, even if it's got nothing to do with me. Hello, am I the only one in the building? I'm raising my hand here and saying, you know what? Peace for me is I got it as a gift, but my goodness, I need to labour to keep it. Because I find that I pretty quickly offer it up. I give it away as fast as anything. It can be the guy in front of me driving like a lunatic and, it, and I give him my peace. It can be bad service at, a, at an establishment. You go, wow, what was that about? You know, and you tell 10 people. Hello. According to the Scripture, you think on these things. I choose the track my mind takes. Now, here's the promise, verse 9. If I will do that, it says this, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. So I got given the gift of peace. I start changing what my mind, where it resides. And according to the Scripture, peace starts coming to my life. One last Scripture I want to give you before we pray. It's not going to be up on the screen for you, but you'll remember it. It's 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. You'll see it on plaques in some people's homes. It says, uh, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. You know, before this service, I felt to look that up. And I thought, casting just sounds like you throw it. And, but I looked it up and the Greek word there, translated casting, doesn't mean, you know, you pick it up and you throw it. It means an instinctive quick throw. It means, it's like, you know, remember that pass the parcel game? Maybe some of you played when you were young, where if you, you know, you didn't want to get stuck with that thing when the music stopped. And so as quick as it came, you passed it on. Well, that's the same kind of meaning that's in this word. It means the moment it comes, it's the opposite of, I'm going to examine it. I'm going to mull over it. And when I can't figure it out, then I'm going to give it to God. Isn't that what a lot of us do? You know, we get a problem, we wrestle with it, we do that. When we exhaust all the, the, the alternatives, we say something like this, well, there's nothing left to do but pray. And then we wonder why we get no peace because we're not doing what the Bible says. It says the moment it comes, toss it off. Do you know what I found? It's a lot easier to throw things when they're small than waiting until they're big. Think on these things. Toss away those things. Please understand, I live in the real world like you do. I know what it's like to have a, a diagnosis you don't want, a, a financial report you don't want to hear. But I've discovered that when I enter the place of peace, God's presence and His voice comes to me in such a clearer way than when I worry my way to God, worry my way through prayer, and walk out with more burdens than I came with. I believe that God wants to bring peace to hearts and lives. Let me pray with you right now. You know, when I was preparing this message and praying over it, because for me, preparing is not just the Scriptures. It's not just the points. It's saying, God, would you breathe on this message? Because Lord, there are people in this week they got a medical report that they weren't expecting. And right now they need peace in the midst of. There's someone listening, Lord, and right now 
this week they got a, a, a report at work that puts their job in likely jeopardy and right now they need your peace. That person, Lord, that's got a contract they were banking on. They were hoping to get it. Now it's looking shaky. Lord, I'm praying for those people and everyone else. The people that have just got a general sense of unease, you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, would you come and bring peace into their world? You're the one who gives it as a gift. Lord, we'll do what we can. We'll try. Will you help us, Lord, so that we remember to quickly toss it away, to think on the things that are good, praiseworthy, virtue, noble, true. Lord, I know you'll help us because you want to build us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more thing before Pastor Bruce comes. And if there's questions, we'd be delighted to do our best to answer them. Let me just say this to you. Uh, People every week are saying yes to Jesus. Every time they do, I'm reminded of the Scripture where Jesus said that when one person does that, when they say their yes to Christ, all of heaven pauses to party. There's nothing quite like what heaven thinks about someone who says, yes, you might feel like you don't matter. You might feel like in the grand scheme of things, who are you anyway? Can I tell you what God says about you? He says, if you were the only one left on the earth, Jesus would have died for you. He loves you that much for God so loved the world, everyone in it. God doesn't love one segment of society, one group, one race, one part of the world. He loves everyone, no matter who you are. There are people listening to this. Maybe you've grown up in a worldview or a religious background that was all about hard work and about rules. Can I encourage you? You're not saying yes to another version of religion. You're saying yes to a Saviour called Jesus. That's why we prepared Yes Text. So that every day for 30 days, once you say yes, and 488 if you're in Australia, or if you'd prefer to get this help via email, or you're outside of Australia, go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. And then every day for 30 days, you'll get a scripture on one screen of your smartphone or one email, and then a prayer that you can pray. It goes every day for 30 days. Then you can sign up for 10-day mini-series on some astounding, beautiful truths. That means for 520 days, if you want, you could be helped to follow Jesus and discover the world God has for you. It'd be so brilliant. Why don't you say yes to Jesus? Why don't you do it? Do it right now. You can do that. Go to your phone, 0488826392, or at the end of the service, or at any time. We get these all week long from people that are saying yes. Why don't you include, if you want, You can include your first name. We'd love to do that. Our prayer team gets it. They know how many, but we'd love to say, you know what? There was, you know, Richard. There was Brayden. There was Nicola. There was whoever out there. And they said yes to Jesus. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.